Episode 2, Lost Memories and Mysterious Abs. Trinity. Why are you always messing with shit that shouldn't be messed with, Trinity? I inhale deeply, reminding myself that Rue is here to help. That in fact she is the only person who can and will do this job at the price of free because you're my friend, Digicreds. I scrunch my face up unapologetically and lightly pull my fingers over my coxcomb of tight curls, tugging at the corkscrew that tickles the bridge of my nose. Sorry. Rue stops typing for a second to glare at me while pulling her long dreads back into a ponytail, then goes back to work, slightly appeased. Having to apologize is only slightly less annoying than having to change out of my comfy matching pajama set and into jeans and a tank top. Rue and Yana don't care, but they're the closest friends I've got here, and that makes me want to look presentable when I see them. How I used to be, before the incident. Pulled together with all my messy parts shoved under the bed and into closets for the automated cleaning tech to handle later. The straight leg jeans are choking my calves, though. I added knee injury modified Krav Maga to my virtual exercise routine, and it turns out that pretending to punch and kick things really agrees with me. Maybe I'll stick to pajama bottoms and running shorts until I know I'll be able to earn enough credits to splurge on the latest stretch tech any size jeans. Yana sits on my love seat. Her long, dark curls pulled up into a pineapple atop her head, her hazel eyes darting back and forth as she scrolls through headlines in the World News Weekly app. Wow, this article says that aliens landed on Earth 200 years ago and have been living amongst us. Her eyes go wide, and she lowers the tablet to look at me. Can you imagine? Isn't that the headline they have every other day? Besides, if aliens were smart enough to travel from a distant galaxy, why would they settle on this hellscape of a planet? I scoff. Any intelligent life would stay far away from a world full of creatures gleefully bringing about their own extinction. It doesn't say the aliens are smart, Yana says, still scrolling. I mean, anyone can get a driver's license here. Maybe it's the same everywhere in the universe. You need to stop rotting your brain with that junk, Rue grumbles. She's under the hood of my driving station checking the electronics. Or her cables are under the hood, rather. They're plugged into the ports under the latch where the hard drive is located and trail into the station's body, where she sits in the driver's seat, computer in her lap, and her knees poking out from the station's open sides. My driving station isn't exactly small, because I'm not, but it isn't made for the Amazonian stature of the complex's superintendent. Rue handles everything from leaking sinks to maintaining each apartment's various tech and electronics. She's perched on the edge of the custom-modified ergo seat, legs wide and back bent at an uncomfortable angle. The station screen, which projects passenger information, live street cam footage, GPS, and traffic updates when I'm driving, is in semi-opaque mode so I can make out her silhouette through it as I pass by. The diagnostic status she's running crawls over the screen. I can read backwards, but not at this speed or with that tiny font size, so I can't catch what it says. Rue sucks her teeth, then pokes her head out of the station to shoot me another glare. And Trin, I told you not to mess around with shit, because then when you finally call me in, I have to figure out the difference between what you messed up and the real problem. I didn't mess anything up, I said, offended that she'd even noticed my tinkering and resisting the urge to go look over her shoulder. I only peeked, maybe poked a bit when the vision calibrating light sequence that begins each shift stalled out. It's annoying to have to wait for the officially licensed software and to pay an arm and a leg for it when maybe I could fix it myself. 
I'd already given the hive more than an arm and a leg, figuratively, as had most of their employees, but the old saying hasn't faded from use yet. Fixing hive tech without running the government-approved software is a felony. Her voice is serious now. You know this. Only if you get caught, I think. I'm not some master criminal or anything, but I'm confident that I could make an undetected mod here and there. The last thing I need is the feds swarming this complex, she grumbles. Most residents are the feds, I remind her. Seriously, even Trinity used to be one, Yana says, with her eyes still glued to her tablet. She doesn't see how I flinch at the words. I mean muscle feds, not brain feds, Rue clarifies. The scary ones, they bring nothing but trouble. Rue is tall and sturdily built, making some people think she must be tough and dangerous. In reality, she's too nice for her own good. She doesn't like violence and had been embarrassed when I told her I once saw her menacingly thwacking her own palm with a gigantic wrench to scare off a guy who wouldn't take no from the plant biologist in 2L. Fine, I'll be more careful, I say, silently adding, meaning next time you won't be able to notice I've been poking around. I'm still trying to get a peek at the data the software is spitting out, but not to be too obvious about it. So I make sure to have something in my hands each time I walk by the station that sits in pride of place in my living room. It's against the smooth white wall where most people in the apartment complex project their hollow screens. I never set mine up. I'm not interested in immersing myself in the live streams from countless homes across America that now make up the bulk of current telestreams, and I don't watch the news anymore. Kimberly was the one who suggested that, surprisingly, telling me that it was okay not to subject myself to things I could do nothing about. War, fascism, rising seas. At least I'm a good swimmer. I heard a neuroscientist got bagged by the muscle feds, Giannis says nonchalantly. She hears all kinds of things working in the coffee shop at the Hive. The feds need caffeine too, maybe more than most people. And the higher-ups were willing to deal with the rigorous background checks required to recruit the best baristas in the country. It seemed weird to me that the biggest tech hub in the country didn't just use the automated coffee machines, but apparently studies show that humans put workers more at ease. It was worrisome that Yana seemed to think the non-disclosure agreement she'd surely been forced to sign was just a suggestion. But hey, I was messing around with Hive Tech, so I wasn't one to cast judgment. Manish, Manny, was so cute. Dark skin, great smile, and all these wild curls. He was so excited about his work and liked to talk about weird brain stuff, like what I read about in World Weekly News. The way brain cells talk to each other was his pet project. I'd have his latte waiting every morning, and he'd tell me about his latest idea, but three weeks ago, he just stopped picking them up. He disappeared. Vanished. When I asked his colleagues where he was, they said they didn't know who I was talking about. She glances up at me, her gaze a flash of hazel fire that contradicts her conversational tone. Leave the tinkering to Rue. And if you're thinking of doing anything else that could get you into trouble, don't. The hive is too cast-strapped to be benevolent. But they'll spend a sick amount of money to screw people over. Okay, okay. I carry my bathing suit, which I quickly dried on the balcony in the blazing morning sun, past the driving station in time to see blinking red warning symbols on the screen. I pick up a flaking print copy of my neighbor Dr. Zhang's Technology and the Humanitarian Ideal, which I'd borrowed from her but still haven't read, casually flipping to the first page.
When I was a young researcher, a disaster struck in my hometown, wiping out much of my family and many of my friends and neighbors. What happened was a tragedy, but it was also preventable, and it was on that day that my goal in life was galvanized. I would use technology to help people, to prevent harm, to save the world. Wow, what an intro. I'd already known Dr. Zhang was amazing, but I hadn't known this. I'm strongly tempted to keep reading, but remember, my objective is to spy on Rue. So I glance up from the page and try to track what she's typing to make the warning go away. M-E-L-E-O. Her fingers stop flying over the keyboard and she shoots me a frustrated look. Trinity! It's a warning, an affectionate one, but a serious one, too. Fine. Want some coffee? I drop the book onto the seat next to Yana and walk into the cube of my hyper-efficient mini kitchen, all sleek stainless steel and black lacquer, and start pulling out the coffee pods. Do you have matcha? Yana asks. I won't drink your synth coffee swill, and you shouldn't either. We have an actual old-school espresso machine at work, and more importantly, real beans. No gene mods, no unknown additives, no burnt crap taste. I roll my eyes. Well, could you hook me up with some of those beans instead of complaining? Stealing non-mod coffee beans is a federal offense, Yana responds cheerily. I'd rather do something more interesting if I'm going to engage in criminal activity. Matcha, please! Rue pokes her head out of the station and peers into the kitchen. There's a playful expression on her face. You need to cut the caffeine anyway. It's bad for you. Something tugs at the edge of my mind. And for a second, Rue goes out of focus and there's a flash of memory. A hand tugging my coffee cup away before I could take a sip. A mouth pressing firmly against mine so that I can't be too mad about the loss of caffeine. Hey friend, you okay? Yana asks. I blink, shake my head, then sigh loudly for their benefit to show I'm fine. You both want me to do the whole thing, I ask, aggrieved, and then make a whipping motion with my right hand. With the bowl and the whisk and all that? Rue grins, Yana nods. Rue is trying to keep me busy, so I stop peeking. Yana just really enjoys someone else being in charge of the complicated caffeine order. Rue gets back to work. I'm not trying to be all jangly nerves in my bed tonight, and coffee really fucks with my system lately. I guess I'm getting old. I put the thermal mugs away and pull three glazed pottery tea bowls down from the shelf, where they usually sit as decoration, rinsing them and then placing them on the counter. I open the utensil drawer with one hand and simultaneously reach over my head with the other for the can of matcha that I only use when they stop by. My hand closes around the can, but the fingers of the other press against my palms as they come up empty. I feel around in the drawer for a second, then glance down. There's an empty spot between the wine opener and the hand blender. The bamboo whisk is gone. It should be here. The kitchen is a single cube designed for one person and requiring the utmost economy with utensils. And I'm, well, I'm me. Even when my apartment is a mess, everything has its place so that I can reach for it without even thinking. Unease grips the base of my neck, and I roll my shoulders. I've just misplaced it. This wasn't the first time in the last few weeks I'd done that, which doesn't comfort me like it should. I don't misplace things in general because I have a great visual memory. 
It made me a fantastic data analyst and the person who knows where things are in my friend group. Now I'm neither, I guess. I'll be right back, I call out in a nothing wrong here voice because, hey, people misplace things all the time. I don't need to get upset with myself. I don't need to make this into a bigger thing than it is. I'll just borrow one from Dr. John. I know she has one because she gifted me my set after I complimented hers. Don't touch any of my stuff or Penny will tase you. Home AI don't have a built-in tase function, Rue says regretfully. I would have definitely used it on you last time you tried to cheat during game night. Home artificial intelligence personal assistants do not condone violence, Rutina. Penny's voice slides into the conversation as it seems to do more often when Rue is over. In addition, AI cannot purposely harm humans. It runs counter to the international AI programming laws. No AI shall lie to humans. No AI shall kill humans. No AI shall purposeful. Sorry, Penny. I didn't mean to imply you would ever break IAIP. Apology accepted, Rutina. I jog out of the apartment and across the hall, giving Dr. Zhang's door two sharp knocks. She doesn't usually leave for work until later, since she's semi-retired and mostly overseeing some of her legacy projects at the laboratory. I hear footsteps, which is my first indicator that something is off. Dr. Zhang is feather-boned, and her light steps would barely register through the thick metal of her door. Still, I'm staring at where her eyes should be when the door jerks open. Instead of her kind, slightly wrinkled face, I'm met with a bronze wall of rippling abdominal muscles. Washboard isn't a good descriptor because these abs are so chiseled, they seem like they could hurt you. Like you could lose a finger to a freak sit-up-related accident if you reached out to stroke them at the wrong moment. This is an imminent threat because clearly their owner must spontaneously break into abdominal exercises without warning all the time to maintain this physique. I lift my head to look straight ahead and that's, yes, that's definitely a perfectly round brown nipple staring back at me. Those are pectorals. Waxed or follicleans to lickable smoothness. The abruptly sexual nature of my thought startles me. Lickable? What the hell? A stranger's torso is exposed from my perusal, and even a quick glance is enough to know this man is large, strong, and should consider wearing a shirt before springing all of this onto unsuspecting neighbors. I look up into the eyes of the owner of the hazardous abs and smooth pecs and the same unease I'd just experienced in my kitchen, the disquiet of reaching for something in its habitual place and finding it gone overpowers me. It's the same sensation I have in bed sometimes, like I've suddenly caught myself just as I'm beginning to plunge into a bottomless chasm. He's hot, extremely hot. I can't even pretend otherwise because his attractiveness is almost as dangerous as his Venus fly abs. Lustrous jet black hair, short on the sides and longer at the crown, with several untamed cowlicks vying for dominance and giving him a messy bedhead look. Square jaw, full lips, and the same smooth light brown skin that I'd become acquainted with lower on his body. His eyes, though, Beneath the hooded lids are irises of a deep brown that I feel should be warm, but regard me with a coolness that sparks a flurry of emotions in me. Anger, sadness, confusion. I have the urge to reach out to him, to make sure he's real, 
but I'd keep my arms at my side because touching a shirtless stranger would be weird as hell. Opening the door shirtless is pretty iffy too, but I'm the woman who would gladly live a bra and pants-free existence, so I'm not going to judge. Um, is Dr. Zhang here? I finally manage. My voice is hoarse for some reason, and I clear my throat. He stares down at me, unblinking, and fear prickles the back of my neck. I start to move my hand toward the small of my back and then stop myself. What was I reaching for, I wonder? And why am I letting a strange shirtless man intimidate me? Dr. Zhang, I repeat more firmly, not moving my gaze from him. He's so still that it takes a moment to register the rise and fall of his chest. Then he tilts his head and blinks twice, and I realize what's going on. He doesn't understand me. He might be a visiting researcher. A Nigerian roboticist had stayed here two months before while interviewing for a job at Dr. Zhang's laboratory. That doesn't explain the man chest. But hey, if Dr. Zhang has herself a handsome young thing, good for her. I'm still trying to figure out what his deal is when the door opens more widely and Dr. Zhang steps out, carrying her giant gray and white cat, Tim. She's wearing the fuzzy pink slippers I'd given her for the holiday exchange and stroking Tim behind the ears. Tim is happily curled against her. She has that effect on people. Oh, you've met my nephew. She smiles her huge smile that always makes me feel at home with her. Her expression is soft and welcoming, but her gaze is sharp, watching my reaction. Trinity, this is Leeway. He's just arrived and is still acclimating to things. Please excuse his silence. I suspect that he's a bit overwhelmed. Leeway, this is our neighbor. She's good people. You can trust her. He doesn't say anything, but the intensity of his focus wraps itself around me and tightens, like the anaconda body-shaping blankets that are supposed to sculpt a perfect hourglass figure as you sleep, but have crushed several people to death. Nice to meet you, I manage. Something soft and warm lands on my arm, Tim's paw, helpfully drawing my attention back to his owner. I blink, then pet Tim as I remember my reason for being there. I came to borrow your bamboo wisp because mine disappeared and Ru and Yana are being demanding. I can come back later if you're busy. Leeway, can you get the bamboo whisk from the drawer next to the sonic scrubber? Dr. Zhang asks her nephew, gently directing him inside of the house so that he finally stops staring at me. When she looks back at me, the sharpness in her eyes has softened to sadness. He was in an accident. He has some memory, behavioral, and motor skill issues, but he's on the mend. It'll take a little time for him to get back to who he was, though. Oh, oh, I know what that's like, coming back from an accident and no longer feeling like yourself. But I don't tell her all that. Instead, I nod and say, I see. I brought him here because I wanted him to be around people who care about him, not stuck recovering at the hive. She sighs, and I realize this is the first time I've ever seen her unhappy. He's all that I have left of my family, and I couldn't just leave him there. They don't understand how to be kind. I nod again. Kindness doesn't turn a profit. I don't remember much from my own physical therapy at the Hive Medical Center, but I do know it wasn't gentle. The entire corporation is part of the privatized branch of government, 
those stuck with the scraps of public sector health care have it much worse. But Hive Care prioritizes efficiency, like every other arm of the company, be it research, tech, education, or security. The bottom line is that we aim for the top. That was their mantra, which I'd repeat it with forced cheer in training sessions so many years ago. Let me know if you need help with anything I offer. I'm usually around anyway. Benefit of working from home. Thank you, Dr. Zhang says, her shoulders unhunching as the weight of her sadness seems to evaporate. I appreciate that, and I'd love for you two to get to know each other better. I think you both could use a friend. I should be annoyed at her presumption, given that I have friends. But there's such a warmth in her tone, and some part of me feels oddly excited about the idea. Leeway returns then, wearing a black t-shirt that's inside out and backwards, and hands me the whisk. Thank you, I say, taking hold of the whisk, but as I pull away, he tightens his grip instead of letting go. I look up into his relentless gaze, which is registering curiosity now, and I have the oddest compulsion to pull him closer to me, but then he releases his end of the utensil. He doesn't stop staring, though. Ru and Yana are waiting, I say, stepping backward and saluting each of them with the whisk. See you around, Tim. Dr. Zhang, Li Wei. Tim meows. Dr. Zhang smiles. Li Wei stares. That's his thing, I guess. I can feel his gaze boring into my back as I enter my apartment. I've always been aware of my surroundings. I'd been born after the last Great Depression, when DigiCred servers had been wiped after the power grid had blown. My parents had tried to give me and my brothers as normal a childhood as possible, while making sure I, the oldest, knew I always had to be ready for anything. Always. It'd been that readiness that caught the attention of a Hive recruiter staking out a hospital waiting room in the Bronx. I was street smart and book smart, and my family's medical bills were astronomical after whooping cough had swept through our neighborhood carried in by one of the Upper East Side anti-vaxxers trying to slum it. In the past, people had asked strangers to help them pay medical bills, but the government had outlawed this type of assistance while allowing their subsidiaries to offer short- and long-term debt reimbursement internships. I'd become a data analyst and stayed one. My family had moved to the Midwest years ago, away from the pollution and rising waters that had become hazards of coastal life. I'm still here in New Arlington, still working for the Hive. At least I got to see the world with my driving, but now that was in jeopardy too. I didn't technically own the station. It was leased from Hive Drive, even though I was responsible for keeping it in pristine condition. They could take it back at any time, and if they decided I'd broken it beyond repair, there are other less pleasant ways to repay never-ending debt. The hive has as many ways to wring money out of a human body as my grandma had uses for old plastic containers and bags. I don't want to think of those just yet. I'm all jangly nerves, as Rue had put it, as I slip into the kitchen to make the tea, mixing the green powder, hot water, and then whisking. I try to focus on each step to ignore thoughts of leeways, eyes, and chest, and abs. My hands shake as I cut Rue's tea bowl and carry it over to her. She doesn't notice, but Yana gives my hands a lingering glance as she takes her matcha. Have either of you met Dr. Zhang's nephew? I ask as casually as possible. Dolores Zhang? 
She doesn't have a nephew, Ruth says, holding the cup in one hand and pulling her phone out with the other. How do you know, I ask. Rue glances up at me, brown eyes serious beneath her long lashes. I'm the superintendent. I see all and know all. Then she chuckles. I'm kidding. If you're talking about that shirtless hottie who's been sitting out on her balcony for the last few days, yeah, I've seen him, and I wouldn't mind seeing more if you know what I mean. She waggles her brows, and I curl my lip at her. We joke about who we'd hypothetically hook up with in the complex from time to time, but suddenly I'm not in the mood for jokes. She's still sipping the last of her tea as I pluck the ceramic bowl from her hands. Well, okay, I guess I'll just get back to work, she says, giving me an evaluating look. I haven't seen him, Yana chimes in, glancing back and forth between me and Rue. Is he hot enough to make Rue abandon her crush on the woman in 2L? I don't say anything, avoiding the ulterior motive in Yana's question, but Rue responds for me. Of course not. My love for 2L is pure. My lust for mystery man is... I have to go make a call. Both of their heads swivel toward me. I guess my voice does sound kind of weird. Like a vid call? Yana asks. Yeah, I have to call my mom. Yana straightens and Rue stops typing. Be right back. I dart into my bed cube, which is soundproofed, firmly closing the door behind me. Had I really just fled from my friends? What is going on? The mirror hanging on the back of the door pings, and text scrolls over my reflection. Mood, anxious. Recommendation, three-minute yoga session. Consider scheduling a health check. I let out an incredulous laugh. A health check at Hive Medical Center? Hell no. I swipe my hand over the mirror, and the words disappear, then flop back onto my mattress. The four walls of my tiny room, just big enough for the bed, seem to close in on me. So does the matte black ceiling screen for watching telestreams in bed that comes standard in most apartments. I disconnected mine. I think about Li Wei's eyes, the harsh line of his mouth, and that weird something tugs at my memory again, though I don't lose visual focus this time. My thoughts are another thing, suddenly cloudy, like navigating a speeding car through the dense fog along the California coast, where one wrong move will send you over the side of a cliff. There was a word for what I was feeling on the tip of my tongue. Deja vu, I whisper aloud. Penny, wired into every room of every apartment in the complex, responds, Searching deja vu, Trinity.